hockey fans, and welcome to episode number 101 of Marty's Illegal Stick, brought to you by the Sports History Network. I'm your host, Scott Kinville, and uh, since we have a Kings fan, a Bruins fan, and a Rangers fan here, I think it's only appropriate that we title this episode The Broken Hearts Club. Uh, there is no joy in Mudville for any of us. <laughs> I, uh, I'm strictly rooting for teams that don't exist anymore, so Montreal Expos and Hartley Whalers, here I come. Oh, boy, yeah. Go, it, go Golden Seals. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, those Cleveland Barons are bringing home the cup. This year, <laughs> that. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, before we get diving into this, uh, we got our whole gang back together here. Uh, Ed Stefanik is back. You know, he, he had to work last week, but you know what? Welcome back, brother. Wish was better circumstances for you. I, you know, um, I got a massage this week, and uh, that was even worse than the Bruins' loss. The lady Ooh. rode me like the lady rode me like a skateboard. Oh, just jumped on my back and started walking, and it was not what I expected. And then she just ripped a fart right in my face. Don't go to Angel Touch. I'm gonna just rip them right here. Got farted right in the face. Don't know how I didn't get pink eye. You know, I, I always kind of marked you as the kind of guy who would enjoy that, though. No, no. I was, I was down with everything you said until the fart. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, if somebody no walk on your back, I'm like, oh, that no, might no. feel real good. Like, No warning. That's the issue. Yeah. It was no warning. It was just all of a sudden the pressure in my lower back just went from 100 to 1,000, and I'm like, what's going on here? So I'm, I, I'm I have sure. a tendency to think if somebody was walking on my back, I'd be the one that was farting. <laughs> I, I tried so hard to hold it in, and I did. And then she gets off and then grabs my neck, and then I hear a and I'm just like, <laughs> all right, it's fair game. As soon as she got to my lower back, I gave, gave her one right back. Oh, like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's just. Well, you, you did have a terrible weekend, man. Boy, that, that really, you know, um, that really stinks. Yeah. <laughs> More ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> and that other voice you hear is, of course, our other co-host. Uh, again, uh, a new member of the Broken Hearts Club, Mr. Chris Mazzotti. What's up, Mazzotti? Hey, if it looks like I've been crying, I haven't been. But there's, like, a lot of pollen in the air or something today with all the rain we've had. And... My eyes are like just dropping tears like crazy. So okay, if it, has, it has nothing to do with the game seven or anything like that. You could admit I admitted it. I cried. I, you can cry. It's well, you should have cried. I mean, maybe not as much as Marshan did, but you know, a reasonable amount. Well, you know, I don't have much <laughs> on the line, but still, I got a tattoo of them. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Let's start off with that series since. Um, it was the uh, President Trophy record-setting winning Boston Bruins who dropped Game 7 in overtime, heartbreaking fashion, to the Florida Panthers. Um, guys, I want to ask you something. Number one, should we really be this surprised that Florida pulled this off? And I'm going to couple that with another couple uh, couple more questions here. Was it so much that what Florida did right or Boston did wrong or a little bit of both? A little bit of both. Um, I, I feel like games one through four uh, – Excluding the one loss for Boston, they were, you know, not necessarily dominant, but they were clicking. They were they were able to. They had some chemistry there, even without Bergeron and Krejci. And uh, I'm, I, I think inserting Bergeron too soon, inserting Krejci again too soon, might have messed up with that a little bit. 
Um, that's just me. Herniated discs are, I mean, they, they suck. I understand he's a professional athlete and he can, he, his body has been put through hell prior, but he's also 37 years old, about to be 38. Maybe let him get a few more days rest and say, well, we, we need you for the next series. We need you for round two. Um, Especially since they're up three games to one. Exactly. I, I I think that they inserted him a little bit too soon. Uh, found out uh, today, actually, Allmark's been playing with what they call a debilitating injury. Um, don't know if it's upper body or lower body. I didn't really read too much into it. Um, I think that once they dropped the second game and it was a 3-2 series, they should have looked at Swayman. Um, especially knowing that he, they, they know that there's something wrong with him. That that they, they should have looked into maybe starting Swayman for Game Six. You know, we talked about that a, a couple weeks ago on this show. Insofar as Allmark goes, and again, it's not to take away anything from him in the regular season because he did have a great season, uh, but he did only play forty-eight games, and that just happens to be the most games that he's played in one season in his entire career. He had never played in an NHL playoff series. Uh, prior to this season, you know, yeah, maybe he did have a debilitating injury, and we don't know when it happened. No, but he played last year, he was he was with um, he was with Boston last year. Yeah, but didn't uh, wasn't Swayman getting the starts? I think they split it him. Did they? All right. Well, Omar, yeah. didn't Omar get hurt for a long stretch last year? Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he was never expected to carry the load. Let's put it that way. Well, so, no one again, we, we, we don't know when when this injury happened, of course. Um, but I, I think you might have a point there, Ed, that maybe at some point they should have looked at swimming a little bit sooner since they had no problems rotating those guys all season long. Yes. I think that – and I told my dad this when we were discussing it one day at work. We were talking about, you know – just the Bruins and all that. And, you know, he's like, yeah, I can't wait. Allmark's had a great season. I'm like, Swayman's three. <laughs> Swayman's had a great season, too. They should just rotate 1A, 1B. Yeah. Two and two. Just two and two. If they're, if, if they're looking good, they're looking good. Don't. Don't mess up something that's wrong. And yeah. I, I still think that should have happened. I, mean, that, I don't know when Allmark got the injury. He could have got it game three, game four. He could have got it. You know, ten, right. you know, ten, fifteen games left, and it just started like really getting bad. So, I, I think they should have definitely looked into Swayman a little bit sooner. And he had a great game seven. It, that loss isn't on him. There, there was so much. There was no gas left in the tank. Uh, it, no. Excuses after excuses I could make. Um, Florida still won the series. Florida still put their best foot forward, and you know, I'm I'm rooting for them now because uh, I don't want to lose the losers, even though. I have my thoughts on how the rest. I think it's going to be an all Canada final. Well, well, Mazzotti, are you surprised by all this? No, because I said earlier, don't sleep on Florida. This is not a a gimme. Now, granted, many of my series picks, you know, I did 16 brackets for each team uh, to be a winner. And I believe Florida was only picked in the Florida winning bracket. <laughs> so I still uh, love you did like ultimate hedging of bets. It, it, it did not help. It did not help. <laughs> Out of all 16 brackets, the one with the most right is the one where I have New Jersey winning the cup, <laughs> which I picked Vegas properly and I picked Edmonton properly. I picked Dallas winning, but not in the right amount of games. 
I picked Toronto winning, not in the right amount of games. Carolina, I picked, and I picked the Devils, and and I didn't even pick that right because I picked the Devils in five. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, <laughs> but the Boston game, uh, the reason is like you know I watched a lot. Of, I watch all the highlights all year long, and I watch as many games as I can. And I kept seeing like Boston coming from behind, winning by a goal. Boston, you know, gets a late third period goal, 18 minutes left, you know, or 18 minute mark of the third. They get a goal, you know, no team. It's very hard when you get scored that late to tie it up. Right. So I'm like, there's a bunch of games that Boston won and good on them. They won them. You know, (laughs) I'm not taking any credit uh, away from them, but I tallied it up yesterday. 23 games by one goal or two if they hit an empty net. So that's a lot of games. Then you add into that 11 overtime and shootout wins. It's like, okay, well, that's 34 wins that they got that were by a sliver, pretty much. And all the goals that they were dying in on is you look at the, you look at the regular season schedule – they were dining out on Philadelphia and Columbus, you know. Funny enough, Arizona beat them. That, I watched that game live, and I, that game still burns me because that, that was an absolute icing call. That was, that was an icing call. And the the it was in November. Let it go. Let it go. Let it. <laughs> so, it's the only game that pisses me off from all regular season. And Florida had beaten them twice in the regular season. Now they also beat Florida seven to two in the regular season. Right. So who knew what was going to happen in the series? But I said, don't sleep on them. And you take all those wins. If you took all those thirty-four wins and turned them into losses, you know what team you have? Philadelphia Flyers. So that's how different it is in the parity. That's how small the margin is between winning and losing and being the best team ever in the regular season or being a team that was just good enough to not get a good lottery pick. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's the difference. So um, I wasn't surprised. I think they should have went to Swayman at least a game earlier. Um, I don't really know much Boston could have done different. I really don't. You got to give some credit to Florida. They played their hearts out. Matthew Kachuk, you know, really took this team on this bat, his back, and he did everything we expected him to do. He was a pest. He was talented. He was everything. I mean, talk about a team that doesn't have depth. If he gets hurt, this is you know, Florida's done. They'll be done in three in the next series. So, you know, it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good series, the next one. But uh, but but I feel bad for Boston fans. But you know what? Not for nothing. After the game is over, half the arena is booing Boston on the ice. The, the team, you know, the city is booing them. So you guys just had the best regular season ever, and I understand it's a disappointment. It's a huge disappointment. But you're booing like it's over, guys. Like you're no. booing them. These guys. Bergeron got you how many, you know, you've gone to the final, you've gotten cups, and you're booing this guy in his last time on ice. Like, you got to. Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, 
Yeah, if it wasn't, then Marshan really was over crying because yeah. I, I never saw a man cry so much over something that I mean. Do these guys not know they're millionaires? Like, <laughs> like they act like. I mean, I get it. I and I want my players to care about winning and losing. Don't get me wrong, but like the amount of tears coming out of Brad Marshand, like of all players, <laughs> like is very is very weird. Well, you know? he's on his sensitive side, Mazzotti. Come on. I I mean. And I'm not against men crying or anything like that, but like at the end of the day, nobody died, nobody got shot. And then, you know, this is a game that you guys get played millions of dollars to do, and you failed. So you shouldn't be crying. All these people in the stands, they're the ones that should be allowed to cry because they just spent a good amount of their lives watching you, and you let them down. Because yeah. <laughs> like, no. if there was somebody that was a letdown in the series. To me, it was Martian. Yes, Martian did not have his best series. Um, but I will also say, majority of the games were very close. Um, they didn't play for the most part. They they played all right. They, it wasn't the the wins that we saw in the regular season. It wasn't the the goal differential that we saw clearly. Um, just it was just disappointing all around. Um, and here's the other thing, Ed. If they if Bergeron and Krejci are hurt, okay, because that's oh they're doing they're winning without Bergeron and Krejci, you know, the, at the beginning of the series, right? And then all of a sudden they lose a the game. and It's like we got to get those guys back in the lineup. What was the point of getting all that depth if you're going to like put hurt guys in the lineup? I don't understand that. Like I, I you went out and got all this depth, you could win without those guys. You've already shown you could beat this team without those guys. Why insert them back in if I they're agree. not ready to go? I agree. I'm with you 100% on that. They should have waited at least until round two if they if they pulled it off. Because let, let's face it, it's they, they they had a chemistry going. They were up three to one, and then they put Bergeron back. And I was like, that's too early. This is way too early. Like I I I understand why he wanted to play game 82. I understand why. You know, everything happened the way it did. I don't think they should have put Bergeron back too early. Like yeah. they did. Yeah. And um, no city loses like Boston. I will fully say that. 18 and 1. You have that. You have now this regular season. The, the Celtics in the past, what, five years have been losing just miraculously. No city loses more than, loses better than Boston. When they lose, they lose big. Well, I will say too. I, that I think Vancouver would have something to say yeah, about that. We know how to lose. We burned down half the city the last time we lost. <laughs> Every time they, they did the same thing in '94. Every time they lose, they burn it down. Um, I will say that kind of goes along what we've been saying though. That Boston, for the most part this season, didn't really face a lot of adversity either. I mean, yeah, you had the Jacob Frost injury, but Marchand came back way sooner than everybody thought. Same thing with McAvoy. Everything, a lot of things went right. And we've been saying this. That it was, you know what, at some point, something was bound to happen. They and, even had a good well, schedule. Like, yeah, their uh, schedule I mean, was like. Much, everybody pretty much plays the same schedule, though. Let's, it's a balanced schedule. Yeah, but, like, sometimes things just get, like, lucky, you know? Like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, you're getting this really good team. 
but it's off the all-star break when everybody's like up in the air. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Oh, you get to go through your Southwest trip right before the all-star break. Like, you know, stuff like that. So, well, just before we move on to the next series, I do want to say too, just from the Florida end, I I think that Brandon Montour has established himself as a legit, awesome (laughs) NHL defense. I loved it because I picked him up on my fantasy team somewhere around December, and he I I rode him the rest of the way. He was in every game in Florida right now. Carter McHagee, who or Carter (laughs) Weger McKenzie? I'm sorry. No, they they know who Carter McHagee is. Carter McHagee on my brain now. I can't help it. So does Swayman. Anyway, yeah, I screwed that all. But all right, let's move on to the next series. Last night, Game 7 between the Rangers and the Devils. Uh, the much belly much hyped-up Game 7, um, especially after the Rangers played a phenomenal Game 6. Uh, they came back strong in MSG. All of a sudden, started looking like the Rangers that everybody was expecting. And come Game 7 last night at the Rock in Newark, uh, the exact opposite happened. Uh, the Devils dominated this game right from the start. Um, and, I mean, Shesterkin did what he could to keep that close. But, I mean, in all reality, that game could have been 8 to nothing. So, Mazzotti, your thoughts on that game in that series? Well, I wouldn't say nothing because Schmidt played very well last night. Um, my thoughts are this, okay? First of all, Lindy Ruff, like, is the diff- – the difference in this series, I really believe, was the coaches. I really believe it came down to the coaches. Lindy Ruff adjusted. He made good adjustments. He had the depth to make adjustments. I mean, the Jersey bench is like six, eight guys deep. The Rangers bench is zero, zero guys deep. There were no adjustments to be made for Gallant. Who's he going to bring in? I mean, there's nobody. (laughs) And, you know, hopefully that'll change next year with Offman coming up. But as it stands right now, like the prospect pool for this season was was done. You know, you're gonna bring in a Hartford guy like to play like Brodzinski or something. Like that's not gonna do it. Like, and our fourth line was one of the few lines that was playing well. Yeah, uh, Tyler Mott was very. Yeah, Tyler Mott drew two penalties. You know, yeah. although the first one I think was <laughs> kind of a ticky tack call and the makeup call that the. Refs made on the Rangers right. right after that was a ticky-tack call. And it's like, way to start games. I knew it was going to be right? a bad night right, when right. they started game seven with ticky-tack calls. Because you know what that meant? That meant they weren't going to blow a whistle for anything the rest of the game. Right. And it was pretty much how it went. Like, let's get a couple penalties out early so the, so the NHL could see we called something, and then we'll right. just let them go. Because that's really what happened. When the Devils are allowed to interfere, they win. That's how it, that's how this series broke down for me. They interfere everywhere, all over the ice. You try to dish a puck in behind them, they just skate in front of you and interfere, and it's not called because it's well, a wait, playoffs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse me. Hold they, on, hold on. Go hold on. ahead. Mm-hmm. Interference, I, I will say that the Devils just burned them with speed. No, they no, no. I'm, I mean, I'm, not, I'm not saying going back the other way. I'm saying when you're trying to attack. Oh, when you're okay. trying right. to attack – and you try to flip the puck over the Devils, you you can't skate around them. They just interfere whichever way they go. And I understand they're allowed to 
have their own ice. And but there's a difference between being allowed to have your own ice and setting three picks every time at the line. Like and it's it's like a new trap and they're they they get away with it because there's no penalties being called. So you can't once the devils get the lead, it's like nineteen it's like two thousand and three again. You can't even get in the zone because the second you flip the puck in, it's already going out the other way. You're not going to get around the devil's defenders because they're just going to interfere with you and there's not going to be any penalties. So that was one thing. But putting Schmidt in was the changer. Really, this series changed on one play to me. One play. And that was Timo Meyer jumping on Shesterkin, not getting up, Shesterkin punching him, and then the ref calls Shesterkin for the roughing. The Devils scored what may have as well have been their first goal in the series on the ensuing power play, which tied the game, ends up going to overtime, and Dougie Hamilton won it. That was the switchover. The second that that whole sequence happened, the whole thing changed. Just like in game six, the Rangers didn't have a lot in the first period until they got a power play goal. Then all of a sudden, the whole thing changed. But I knew last night. I knew last night. The second Adam Fox made that terrible giveaway, which was, I don't know what was going on with Adam Fox in this series. This guy, I really believe, is one of the best defensemen, not even in the NHL, that I've ever seen in my lifetime. He disappeared in this series. I don't know what happened. He was great in the first couple games. And then I don't know what the Devils did to get him off his game, but it worked because he was terrible almost the rest of the series. And that that giveaway, if you look at the replay, he has Kane on the wall, up the thing, all alone. Yeah. He could have yeah. easily just sent it up the ice. Yep. He's dicking around with it, looking for some perfect play or waiting for a perfect setup. Just get the puck out of your zone. Nothing has changed. Just because you're on a power play doesn't mean you have carte blanche to screw around. Like, and then the next guy and the next guy, nobody gets the puck. And now it's in the back of the net. And I knew right then that the game was over. I knew right then. Like, there's no way. Unless they score on the rest of this power play, this game is over. And it, that's exactly what happened. They didn't even get any pressure off the rest of that power play. It was, it was, it was not good. You know, the Rangers acquisition. I never wanted Kane to go to the Rangers this year. I, I said all along, I don't want Kane, and I think that screwed things up a bunch. He was too slow to play playoff hockey when he did get the Jets for one play where he got a breakaway. He failed. So, like, you know. Panarin last year complained that he didn't get to the net enough, that he wanted to have a better series. He was non-existent because, again, these guys are trying to take their time and set up plays and go east-west, and it's like, stop it. Put pucks on net. You got a rookie goaltender, and what? when did they what did, how did they win in game six? They got guys to the net, and they put pucks on net. Why they stopped that in game seven? I have no idea, but they did. They did not do the same thing. They weren't getting guys to the net, and they weren't getting pucks on net. And when they did, their timing was off. There was a play where the kid line was out yesterday, and 
they get the puck on net, but Lafreniere is 10 feet from the net at the time they shot the net at the net. It's like, you guys got to time this right. You're coming around the ice. You can't shoot it when the guy is like back in the corner. You got to wait till he gets to the front. Like, yeah, Filipino, terrible, terrible, terrible series altogether. Filipino is maybe our worst player. Um, and, you know, he's, he looked weak. He, for such a big guy, he wasn't strong at all. Didn't win face-offs. Couldn't push a guy. He was, he was killing the cycle on that line. That's why Gallant had to switch things up so much. Because that line was firing for the end of the season but it wasn't in this series. And I, and I'm almost glad that this has, first of all, it's not the same as it is for Boston. Okay. It's not the same type of collapse. This was going to be a good series. Everybody knew this was going to be tight coming in. Right. There's a reason why I only picked the Rangers in two of my 16 brackets. Okay. Like as I knew why, because during the regular season, the Rangers had multiple opportunities to overtake the devils in the standings while playing the Devils, and every time that happened, they lost. So how are they going to do it in the playoffs? You know, like, if you couldn't take overcome them in the regular season, it's not going to get any easier in the playoffs. That's, right. that's what my thinking was. So, but I'm glad that this happened for a number of reasons. One, they pushed to Game 7. I'm happy about that. That that shows that they, they actually didn't quit on this because – they could have easily folded up for game six, and they yeah. didn't. And they played, a, they played a hard game seven. They didn't sit down. It wasn't a blowout. It was a tight game right down to, you know, until the Devils scored that third goal. It was still a pretty tight game. Rangers came out in the third period firing. They were trying everything. Schmidt's made some excellent saves. Okay. But I like this for a few reasons. One, it gives the Rangers – some, you know, there. You look at Messier talk about winning in '94, and he says it. Winning in '94 doesn't happen without us doing badly in '93 and '92. <laughs> like, you know. So, I'm hoping this leads to something. I'm hoping this wakes Drury up to know what he has in this team, because I feel like it's a close team but I feel there's pieces that don't belong. And some of those pieces may have been here a while. Some of them may have not. Like, I don't have any gripes about Chris Kreider's game. He, he was the only one scoring. He played a good series. He did everything he could. Fine. Mika Zibanejad, I also, I'm iffy on him, really. I honestly am. Because he's, the, he's one of the guys we expect to step up. So when we see him step up in game six, Great, but when he disappears in Game Seven, not so great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Tarasenko's gone. I don't think there's any way he stays with the Rangers. Patty Kane, I'll keep you for a million bucks. That's it. Million bucks. You want to stay in New York? One million dollars. That's it. You know? Sorry, sorry, buddy. We need we need the funds to to actually add to guys that can skate in the playoffs. Like. So- very interesting that I see on social media. Of course, social media is what it is, right? Um, a lot of Ranger fans are calling for them to somehow get rid of Artemi Panarin, which with an $11.6 million cap hit and no move clause is going to be... Nobody's taking him. Um, so, obviously, he's not going anywhere. I don't think that's the right idea anyway. I don't think it's Panarin's fault. 
per se. I think a lot of this falls on the coach, honestly. And I don't like him. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I don't like him. I don't like that when they lose, he doesn't look like he cares too much. Like, it, it really bothers That's one thing I liked about Torts, that he was always pissed off. Good. <laughs> you should be pissed off. You're the coach of a losing team. You should be pissed, pissed off, you know? And when you come up there and you're like, well, they didn't get it done. I told them, you know, you got to you gotta put it. I leave it on the players. I give it to the players, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you're the coach, man. Make some, make some more adjustments. Do something. Like, get them in line. Sit somebody. Like, bench somebody. You know what I mean? Like, that sends a message. You know, bench Panarin. You know? If he's not doing good yeah. enough, bench him. Like, put, put, put Jimmy VC in his spot. You know? Let's see what happens. Like, that's what, that's what I wanted to happen. And you know who didn't mind doing that? The last coach to win the Rangers Cup, Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan benched Mike Richter for a game. You know, like, <laughs> you're like, hey, we're going to take out, we're going to play Glenn Healy tonight because I don't feel that Richter played good enough last game. Like, that's craziness, okay? That's, even Messi had to go to the coach and be like, this ain't the time of the year to be doing that, coach. <laughs> like, you know, so, you know, and, and, and Adam Fox has to learn how to step it up for playoffs. He's been a disappointment in every playoffs they've been to so far. His disappointment in COVID Cup, his disappointment last year for the most part. Like, he's, he's good, but he's so much better. I know he's so much because I've seen him do things that, like, stagger me. It staggered me. But, like, when you get to the playoffs, some of that stuff has to get put away. And you got to be, like, fast and quick and decisive. And you can't be, I'm going to dick with it between my skates and make you look like a fool for not being able to get the puck, and then I'm going to pass it. Like, no, that doesn't work in the playoffs. Right. You can't do it. Like, Ed, what would you see? Um. Really, I just saw the fight just leave the Rangers. I only watched a portion of Game Seven, and then I had to go to work. But it was, it it just it felt like there was no like once that first goal was scored, it was like done. I really didn't feel like the Rangers really cared as much. No, I think yeah. this shorthanded. It's it's so debilitating that shorthanded one, man. I mean, Mazzotti yeah, was, really, really hit all the points. Yeah, yeah. Mazzotti really hit all the points, but it was like. I, I just didn't see the drive. Like, it was like just just the devils were all over him. I mean, you. Yeah, and that's. You, that's the only thing. real highlight I've seen from the, the Rangers last game was the Truba hit. Oh, that I mean, was the best, up. though. He, that he was the best. The he fact that up. he hit Meyer, oh, uh, that, that was almost as rewarding as winning that series to me. Because Meyer was so dirty all series. And let me tell you something. I didn't really have anything to think of Timo Meyer before. I'm sorry to cut you off, Ed. Oh, but, right. like, uh, I, I hate this guy. I really hate him. I think he's a really dirty player. And for a 40-goal score, I'm surprised. Because I don't watch that many Sharks games, to tell you the truth. But, like, I, I always thought he was, you know, a dangerous guy and a good power forward and whatnot. But, man, he played a dirty series. And they're jumping on Shesterkin. I never – like, there's guys that will run goalies, and they're more, you know – and there's guys that will – you know, Shesterkin got running game seven with a guy who uh, 
forgot what player it was, but basically his skates oh. come out from under him. It well, wasn't yeah, on purpose. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, Miller really helped him into Shesterkin and all of that one. He didn't do much. He did. He, no, he watched he the replay. His hands on his back. Him. That's it. He took him down. He, he was going down regardless. He took him down. That, that player was going down. No, he, I, it doesn't matter. It down. doesn't matter. No. It's not my point. My point is that that was, that was a clean taking out the goalie was my point was that devil player didn't mean to run into Shesterkin on that, but there's not anything else he can do, right? right? He's going hard to the net. Guy should go hard to the net. Just like when Chris Kreider took out Carey Price. It wasn't on purpose. <coughs> Excuse me. It wasn't on purpose. It's just he's going hard to the net. There's no way for him to stop. Right. He did his best. Unfortunately, Price got hurt. You know, um, but there's a difference to what Timo Meyer did. When your trajectory is this way, and you in midair jump on the goalie's leg instead, and then don't get up. I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because we talked about it last week. And, Ed, I want your opinion on this one, because I was thinking about you when I was giving my opinion on it. Now, did you see that play? Did you see that play? All right. So they had the collision at the net. Meyer was on Chesterkin's legs, and he was kind of taking a nap on there, right? And I think it was Lindgren that he was – hooked up, I believe, the defense, the Ranger defenseman. Don't quote me on that, but I think it was lingering. And anyways, Myers laying on, on Shesterkin's leg, like Mazzotti was saying. Shesterkin gets bent, starts punching him, right? Whatever. So retaliatory penalty. Okay. Retaliatory penalty. Referee only sees that, calls the, calls the penalty. That was on the power play and score. My thing about that was, why was Lindgren not ripping Meyer off of his goalie? I would have grabbed him by the back of his neck and just exactly. Why does uh, Igor Shesterkin have to defend himself like that when his his defenseman to. is standing right there, watching this whole thing? Why? And well, his defenseman there, wasn't right? standing right there. He was. His right defenseman there. was already moving up of ice. He already taken him into the play. He, he was right there. Yeah, and then he turned and went back up ice, expecting the play because the play was going up ice. Myers is the one that decided to sit there and take a nap. Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I'm telling you, I, Igor Shosturkin should never have had to do that. So, growing up with the way I played defense, I was always near my goalie. I was always, you know, right, always near him. So, like, I would have been right there, and that's me. Um, and he would have been ripped right off. I, I don't care. It's a, somebody took a chop at my goalie this year in B League, and I grabbed him right by the cage. Like, I, I don't stand for that stuff, but it, it's. If he's already turning up the ice, you, you should already know there's some commotion going on behind you when the net was just crashed. So you, you should have just stayed right by the goalie. You know, I mean, that's me. But also this is playoffs, so you want to produce and you want to get in there into the play. So it, it really is like a double-edged sword to me. Um, I would have tried everything I could to do something back. Um, I, I would have... You know, taking a few liberties, I would have went right after Meyer. I mean, the 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 Truba hit was too little, too late. Um, it, well, you're right. It was definitely too late. I don't think it was too little, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, you're right. You're right about that. But the timing was bad. They should have done it sooner. They should have targeted him. Much I mean, they were targeting him, but they should have hit him that hard a lot earlier. Yeah. Um. They were definitely targeting him. There's no doubt about that. In every game, um, 
the one thing I did want to say since you brought it up, Scott, is Lingren. Lingren got hurt on that uh, TJ Yoshi boarding that never even got a penalty back in uh, February. And uh, he missed most of the month of March. They put him in for one game. He got hurt again. Uh, they did, he didn't play the rest of the regular season, I believe, or maybe the last game. Uh, and then they got him into for the playoffs. He didn't look right to me. Um, I don't know why that is. Like, I don't know if he was playing hurt or something like that. If it, you know, the Rangers don't usually let stuff come out after the season. Um, but so there was other things going on there. Something, something was off with that whole duo between Fox and, uh, Fox and Lindgren. They, they just, both of them didn't look right. Um, good on the Devils. I think the Devils are going to stop Carolina. Seriously, this might be over in three because I don't think the one thing you were saying. No, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna forfeit the fourth game. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be like, forget it. We don't want this. We're just gonna leave New Jersey now. We're going back to Carolina. You guys got it. Forget it. You just put up an eleven spot on us in game three because that's what's gonna happen in this. I'm telling you because. Unless Carolina can like really shut the Devils down, unless Carolina can make sure they score first in every game, because yeah. that's the biggest difference. Uh, the Devils are going to be a force to be reckoned with. They really are. In my Devils winning bracket, I have them playing the Stars in the finals. That's a good one. And you know what? That's an interesting likely. point that you bring up because the biggest strength that Carolina has is that ridiculously vicious forecheck they have. But how do you beat a, fo- a forecheck like that? Speed, and that's <laughs> what the Devils have to burn. The Devils uh, have speed; so, they have that. Yeah, that's that's a very very interesting point. Um, and you know, we're going to look at the series coming up in just a little bit. But first of all, I want to complete this triangle of misery here before we go any further. You guys now get to get your licks in on me, as the LA Kings completely imploded after trying to keep it somewhat close with the Oilers. And everybody's saying, "Oh, this is going to be a seven game series." Uh, they got blown out in game five when the series was tied two to two up in Edmonton in a game that I'm just going to tell you right now, the LA Kings didn't even look like they were interested in playing. Yeah. And then they come back to LA game six and, and the Oilers just finished them off. Um, you know, I'll tell you something. I, I, I have to admit, you know, now that you've had, a, you know, I've had a couple of days to cool down about it in the latter part of that series, the Oilers took them to school uh, yeah. physically speed wise, the works. Uh, I don't think it was anything really Stuart Skinner being too spectacular. I just no. think it was way too much Conor McDavid, way too much Leon Draisaitl, way, way too, too many Andy penalties, Andy. way too many penalties. You cannot take penalties against <laughs> guys. What were your thoughts on that series? Draisaitl was a wrecking ball. <laughs> Draisaitl was so good. Um, I know. I know it's the Conor McDavid show and all that. Um, Draisaitl was unstoppable. Uh, uh, McDavid was held scoreless or pointless in what two two of the those first games? Two games. The yeah. first two games. He only had one assist in game three. Yeah. So the first three games, McDavid was—I wouldn't say he was invisible out there, but <laughs> no. But the the Kings' game plan seemed like it was so focused on stopping McDavid that they forgot about Dreisaitl. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. This wasn't going to be a goaltending stealing series. 
No. You know, when no. you when you look at it, Stuart Skinner and Jonas Corposalo weren't meant to light up the world. But <laughs> I, I can't believe every game didn't have ball. 10 goals in it. it really, I'm, really, I'm really shocked by that. I mean, it should have been an 11-10 game, games one through whatever. Um, but it was – they they did a good job containing McDavid. Unfortunately, Edmonton's a two-headed beast. You know, so it, it's really – it really, like, if there was any series that was least surprising out of the three of ours, it was definitely – Right. Yeah, yeah, you could almost kind of see that coming. Yeah, especially, yeah. especially with how well Edmonton was planning to close the season out. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to talk about their power play for a second. Because, I mean, everybody's talked about it, obviously. You know, the best power play in the history of the NHL. Yeah, okay, that's that's fine. That's great. Um, but I do want to point something out, though. And this wouldn't help the Kings at all. But going forward, now the Edmonton Oilers scored 25 goals in that series total in six games. Nine of them came on the power play. That means almost 40% of their goals scored came on the power play. Now, the likelihood of that power play going cold is not very good. But if I were, if if there was one thing that could derail this Edmonton Oilers train, besides the fact of goaltending, is the fact that if that power play even becomes average for a series, they could be in some trouble because they're not they're really that good of a five on five team, especially for a team that has Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on it. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with you. Um, without a power play. For some for some reason, I don't know what it is with the Edmonton team. They have a lot of more difficulty scoring a five on five. That's weird. Um, but f- you put them on the power play, and it's almost automatic. Yeah, I mean, well, you you should almost they should almost incorporate a new rule for this team to be like you only get one minute for minors. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> because <laughs> they only need like forty seconds. If, if that. It's like dry sidle to whoever go or whoever to dry sidle go and you can't yeah. stop it. You try to stop one side, it goes to the other. And, and it's just ridiculous. You got McDavid just doing loops, you know, around the, around the house, just waiting for the puck. And it's just like, do the Kings, like, I'm watching this game and McDavid's literally doing laps. And I'm like, does anybody want to take him? Anybody want to make it hard you for him what? to skate? Like, right like, watch a doubles game and see how interference works. Because about that power play. Now, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we were talking in the last series, right, about Gallant refusing to make any adjustments. The Kings would not make any penalty kill adjustments because if you yeah. watch them on that penalty kill, they stayed in this close knit box. Mm-hmm. Like they refused to go out above the faceoff dot. They wouldn't. And in mm-hmm. the meantime. That's given all that room that you were just talking about with McDavid and Bouchard, who played a very, very good series himself. Yeah. Bouchard, don't forget about him. Yeah. Right? So they, they own the perimeter. And you cannot give a fast team and a skilled team like Edmonton that much space out in the perimeter. Now, what the Devils did, and I noticed on their power play, or I'm sorry, on their penalty kill, they were extremely aggressive, especially last Super night. Super aggressive. They, they had two guys out of the point at all times, making it very difficult for the Rangers yep. to get the puck movement going, which is exactly what the Kings had to do against the Oilers, and they didn't. They refused to make that adjustment, and boy, did Edmonton burn them horribly with it. Now, and also watching that series, I'm also kind of starting to see, and I hate to say it, but all those years of playing 25, 26, 28 minutes a night for Drew Doughty is starting to take its toll. 
<laughs> he did not look like Drew Doughty in that series. Uh, very tentative. The first time in his career I've seen Drew, Dow- Drew Doughty play tentatively. You know, he was he's always been a very hyper-aggressive defender. He'll go out to the point himself. He don't care. I'm in the defensive zone. That series, he laid back, just tried to do stick checks. And, and it, it's, you know, perhaps it's just a, a symptom of, well, being almost 34 years old and having played a ton of hockey. But that's going to have to be a concern for L.A. going forward. Well, you know, as, as great as Dowdy's been, at some point, these guys got to get moved down the lineup. Yeah. You know? Well, absolutely. And, and, and who is it? I mean, you tell me, Scott. Who's the next best defenseman in L.A.? Well, the, not anybody on the roster currently, but they got Brant Clark. <laughs> right. <laughs> you said it right there. Nobody on the roster you know currently right. is the second best defenseman. <laughs> so not, well, listen, not a defenseman that's necessarily going to take the place of a Drew Doughty. No, they but, like, is there anybody who's, like, even close to becoming him that's on the roster for this series? No. Well, that's well. That's why you lost. I mean, really, honestly, I don't think LA played badly at all. I think you know, <clears throat> you watch the goals that were scored. Corpusal is not a good goalie. I'm sorry, he goes down too early. He was down early on every shot. Every shot's going high and up, and it's like stop going down, kid. Like you got to stay on your feet a little more. You're not getting the push side to side because you're already down on the ice. Right. Like, so you can't get across for that play that he should have gotten across for. Like, some of those goals, I mean, really, think about it this way, Scott. If Igor Shosturkin was on your team, or even Ilya Sorokin, or Allmark, would LA be out of this? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I don't have that much confidence in this Edmonton back end. Edmonton's all front. They're all offense. Oh, yeah. oh there's no you doubt. You get behind them, they have nothing there. No. I mean, Bouchard played a good series. He, he's not better than Dowdy. No. Like, you no. know, so. Bouchard is an offensive defenseman. He is not going to play stellar defense for you. You know who actually looked terrible in that series for Edmonton was Darnell Nurse. Yeah. Oh, he looked invisible. He looked awful. For a guy who's getting, what, nine, nine and a quarter million dollars a year? Yeah. No, Something like that. Way overpaid. He, he had a terrible series. So, and I think going forward, you know, especially, you know, we're going to talk about it in a second. Say if they end up meeting up with Dallas at some point, they're going to have a, a very hard time with a team like the Dallas Stars. But I think uh, they're going to have enough hard enough time with their next team. I think so, too. And we don't want – let's just move on because, like I said, there's just nothing more to say about it. Um, but the, another the huge – huge upsets. You know, I mean, I know we talked about Boston being the biggest upset. This one's got to rank right up there with it, guys. The Seattle Kraken took down the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche and are advancing. I said, don't sleep on Seattle. I have one question (laughs) about one, one, One thing to say about this series in that McCarr hits somebody from behind and gets one game. And Everly folded Cogliano and got nothing. I'm just curious their decision making on that, but other than that, Seattle was dominant. I just want to know why Everly didn't get looked at for even a fine for 
putting Cogliano's neck into the rafters. Because it's the Department of Player Safety, and the Department of Player Safety is voodoo. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did my DOPS rant last week. Yeah, so I'm just going to go again. Uh, he he might have reloaded for a week. Stop. Mm. <laughs> I just, I saw that hit, and I was just like, that was worse than the Macar one. And Macar's wasn't great, but I've seen worse. And that Eberly one was awful. That might have been one of the worst ones I've seen in recent re- recent years. What was the one I was complaining about last week, Scott? The one that was way after the play. Oh, that was um. Uh, now you got me thinking. I'm, I'm gonna go back and listen to. I, I can't remember, but again. they did end up. They did end up finding that guy for that hit. But it's like that's it. Like. Let me ask you $5,000. Like, <laughs> it's all water under the dam now, but did letting Car- Darcy Kemper go really hurt them that bad? No. Not no, at all. The injuries did. The injuries. George Evans better than Kemper any day of the week. And I see what you're saying about the injuries, but they only really had one. I mean, and but it was playing without Landis It's a huge Nutrushkin, Nutrushkin leaving was, was big. Yeah. Matryoshkin leaving, yeah. he, he decided to uh, let yeah. some OD in his hotel room. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's, um, I think, honest, you know, honestly, I think that, you know, the absence of Kadri. Kadri. Yeah, I think, I think they him. didn't have grit. You're right. Ed said it earlier, you know, on an earlier show that they lost some grit, and, and I think it showed here. And, and man, I never seen Nathan McKinnon disappear. I like, I really, that really surprised me because, uh, you know, Edmonton, say what you will about them. They can lose. They can lose big. But you're still noticing McDavid and Dreisaitl. Oh, yes. Yes, you know, absolutely. some of these games, I didn't know when McKinnon was on the ice. Absolutely. You know, uh, Rantanen seemed much more of a big deal than McKinnon in this series. Rantanen, I noticed every time he was on the ice, you know, and they're on the same line. So why am I not noticing McKinnon? Like, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I think these guys, I think these guys were out of gas. I honestly do. Yeah. I think beating Tampa last year was that hard that they never really had their tank going all year long. They got it going at the right time down the stretch leading right. up to the playoffs, but it's a, it's a tall order. And, uh, and, and Philip Grubauer, man, I love it. I love him giving it to these guys. That That's what this time. came down to. Because yep. I never seen this guy play so good. Like, really. Um, Henrik Lundqvist was talking about his stance. Um, his stance is like a hybrid of between a butterfly and an old-fashioned stand-up goalie. He stands a little taller, which allows him to react a little faster because he's not on the ice like Corpusalo already. <laughs> so he's able to get those side to side blocker saves that Corpusalo is missing because he's up a little more. He's up right. on his, his heels more. So that was, that was really the difference. That really was. And, and you know what? <clears throat> That's another thing. George Jeff's not good at. He is down a lot. He does go down easily and he gets flustered easily. Too. So, you know, when Colorado 
puts too much, you know. I, I thought he was going to – I thought Georgiev did so well all season because his defense was so good in front of him. And that defense had problems this yeah. series. You know, and Seattle, good on them. They took yeah. it to them. Yeah, they took cool. it to them hard. Uh, I wish they could win a home game for their fans. But other than that, you know, uh, you know, winning so much in Colorado, that's crazy. Yeah. That's a hard that's a hard building to play in. Yeah. Um yeah. especially with the altitude and all that stuff didn't phase them at all. Uh <laughs> and uh I only picked Seattle to beat Colorado in one of my brackets, and that's the one where Seattle wins the cup. <laughs> and you know what I titled that bracket? Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if yeah, right comes up a winner, but I don't yeah. think so. Um, it's it's still a tall hill to climb, and they got a hell of an opponent in front of them. Yeah, because <laughs> because I can tell you who is better than Alexander Georgiev, and that's Jake Ottinger. <laughs> you know, um, frankly. He's he's the best goalie left in these playoffs. Yeah. He yeah, is. There's nobody right. better. There's nobody. He's the best goalie left right. in these playoffs. And by that measure, I would say the cup is Dallas is for the taking. I'll tell like, you something. Go out there and take it. You got the I best am. goalie. Go take it. I'm telling you right now with the Dallas Stars, to me anyways, you know how last year it kind of just felt like it was Colorado's year? Yeah. There was just that yeah. feeling about him, right? Well, you watched them. Same... They were miles above everybody right, else. Right. Yeah. I'm getting that same vibe about the Dallas Stars now. Because, you know what? I know it took them six games to beat the Minnesota Wild, but the Minnesota Wild are a pesky good team. <laughs> they are. They, are. Yeah. they really are, right? Mm-hmm. And with the Dallas Stars, and Mazzotti, you just nailed it on the head. Now they've got the best goaltender left, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing about the Dallas Stars is now they're getting contributions from all over the board. They're They're healthy. Rupe Hintz is healthy again, right? He's getting looks awesome. Tyler Sagan looks like he's just wound the clock back about six, seven years. Even Gene <laughs> Benson again. Right? Who knew Did Joe Pavelski going down, down would let Sagan go up? Are they? Yeah, that's what they're talking yeah, they about. Are. They're talking about him coming back. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I listen. Seattle's a nice story. It, it really was a nice story. Them knocking off, the, you know, the defending cup champs. I personally don't give them a prayer in hell against Dallas. I'm sorry. I um, They might win a game, maybe hopefully for one for their fans at home, just so they can experience what that is. But uh, I think this Dallas Stars team is going to be the one to beat coming out of the West. I don't think it's going to be that easy for, for Dallas. Um, I think these games are going to be hard. Could I see it being over in four? Sure. Can I see it going seven? Yeah. I right. could, <laughs> like you know, I do see Dallas coming out either way, um, it, but you never know, man. This is a huge confidence boost for Seattle, like, and we've seen it in the playoffs over and over and over again. Confidence scores you goals; it just does in the playoffs. And when you got a team that just took off the champs, thinking, "Okay, now let's go take out Dallas," like you know, conference champs from a few years ago. But we could take them down too, like, yeah. And then you know, all bets are off. They make it to a conference final, so right. You know, we'll see. But I, I think Dallas definitely in every category would have the upper hand. Um, yeah, I think so. And man, if they get Pavelski back, and it doesn't turn into one of these, you know, 
he's really hurt, but he's back on the ice. Right, type of right, right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. If your team is winning, there's no point to do that. Like, I can see if your team, like, is on their last hope and, like, put Bergeron back in with the herniated disc. Right, You're up right. three to one. Just finish the series out and he rest up. Like, yeah, doesn't make any, that doesn't make any sense to me. But, um, yeah, I think, I think Dallas has a nice path out of them. Very nice path. Because if you look at the teams that are left, Dallas is like basically the top seed now. I mean, obviously Vegas had more points than them in the regular season and whatnot, but I don't know, man. I like Dallas a lot the rest of the way. I don't see Vegas sustaining. I don't see Edmonton sustaining. And Seattle, definitely not. Uh, the only real team in the West I can really see coming out on top is Dallas. Well, I think that Ve- Vegas – yeah, I think this Vegas-Edmonton series is going to be a bloodbath, really. <laughs> yeah, I think so, because, you know, here's here's the thing, right? Vegas is kind of like L.A. was <coughs> right? Um, I'm not completely sold on Lauren Brassad at all. I, I'm really not. Nah. But, no, no. But what L.A. kind of lacked, and, and a lot of it was Kevin Fiala being in and out of the lineup and all that, I understand. But Vegas can come at you in waves, and Jack Eichel's going to be playing with something to prove, right? Alex Petrangelo wants to get back to the promised land. Mark Stone's going to be playing with something to prove. And I'll tell you, guess who's playing the best on this Vegas team? Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. He is, he is playing better. fantastic. He was on my fantasy team half the year. I tried to, I dropped him trying to get him back. Yeah. I got him back, like, way too late. The season was already over. He was done. But he did a lot for me this year because every time they put him on another line, he clicked with that line. They move him into another line, he'd click with that line. They move him to that. All of a sudden, these other guys are scoring. Like, and um, I had drafted Mark Stone. So when when Eichel, you know, was playing, all of a sudden they moved Chandler Stevenson to Eichel's line, and Stevenson's getting assists and goals every other game. And that's how it's looking in these playoffs, man. That kid's like that kid's the right cog in that in that machine, man. You put him in, he just fits anywhere, gets things moving. Right. Like and uh and watching and, give him away for a song and a dance. Oh man. Can't even I mean he's been playing great. Yeah. He's really he's been playing great for this Vegas team. He he generates so much offense for them <laughs> and it's and he's like the lowest paid guy on the team. Like so, I mean, I just don't, I don't know, and I don't know on Edmonton who that guy is. That's the problem. You could say, okay, we'll match, you know, Mark Stone and 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 Eichel off with Drysile and McDavid, but who's the who's the guy in Edmonton that's Chandler Stevenson? Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Maybe, maybe, maybe. What's your thoughts? Uh, Honestly. Outside of McDavid and Drysaddle, this the rest of this Edmonton team has just been invisible. I mean, like you said earlier, Darnell Nurse is besides Bouchard. Like, yeah, you said Bouchard, but Darnell Kane, Nurse. And, and Vander Kane's having a really good playoff so far too. He's not. He, Vander Kane's not bad. Um, I don't think it. I, again, I don't think he can continue. Uh, he's never been. I think he's been to the finals what once. Yeah. You know, so how much gas does he have left in the tank, especially after the injury and, you know, 
him healing. Uh, all those court dates. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that's, that's probably what's tiring him out. Um, but I'm it's... not still bitter from him missing all those weeks. He was on my team. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, Vegas just matches up really well against a lot of these teams. Um, like you said earlier, Mazzani, it's like you go, you can put Eichel. McDavid or Stone and this person or Pacioretty and this person, and but they have a definitive X factor. Goaltender, it's going to be another who's who's the slightly better goaltender battle, but it's going to be it's going to be the depth of Vegas that carries him forward. Have, there is no Pacioretty, by the way. Not Pacioretty. <laughs> he's in Carolina, Petrangelo. and he's not there either. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Petrangelo. Oh, Petrangelo. Okay. Yeah, yeah Petrangelo. Don't forget oh, they got Shea Theodore, too. Yes, yeah, Shea Theodore. Shea Theodore. You know, so they got, they, they definitely. Don't sleep on Marsha So. Yeah, <laughs> Marsha So. Um, Probably the only guy that could keep up with McDavid. Um, Riley Smith. Like, Vegas has some has some names. They, they have some good names to I tell you what would be really interesting if it comes down to Dallas and Vegas in the final because it would be like the Pete DeBoer reunion. <laughs> that would be interesting. You know? That would be interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right, Mazzotti, in in regards that this Vegas Edmonton series is just gonna be a, an offensive blood. It's gonna be a bloodbath. It's all it's gonna be a bloodbath. Yeah. You're not yeah. gonna see a defensive clinic. This is this is Rangers Devils West. I really yeah, feel right. that way. Yeah. It's gonna be a bloodbath. It'll go seven games, and whoever scores first in that game seven is gonna win it. Right. That's what's gonna happen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. You know, we uh, we talked about the Carolina Devils series already, and I think we all think that the Devils going to wipe them out. We didn't get a chance to talk about, though, was the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Florida Panthers. We went right uh, to the Panthers series, right? So let's those Leafs fans. That. You know what? I mean, they're, uh, they're – it's like they've won the Stanley Cup. They won the Cup. They don't even play anymore. They won. It's over. They won. So stupid. I can't believe these people are so happy for winning one round. And they're all like, did you hear him, Chan? We want Florida. We want, yeah. Oh, you'll get them. Trust me, you're getting Florida. Like, you're going to be ruined what you want. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you got. Yeah, you just got the team that beat the best team in ever. So uh, good luck, Toronto. Yeah, good luck. You know, uh, it's good either way. Okay, it's good. First of all, it's it's over. Toronto fans can breathe a little easier. I get it. There's no more 1940. I get it. People telling me one cup in the last eight years, like Scott likes to say, that doesn't sting as much as 1940 did. Okay, 1994. Harbor, but that's 1994 made up for a, a lot. Okay, a lot. But uh, t- Toronto. Okay, now this makes up for it. You know, even if they lose in the next round, what's it gonna? What's the thing? Well, your team's won one series in the last, you know, 20 years. It's like, yeah, but we won one. Like, you know, like that's it's, it's all that matters. You know, you only have to do it once, and. Uh, Columbus and Toronto have the same <laughs> amount of playoff success in the past 20 years. Just putting, yeah. it, out, putting it out there in the world. Congratulations. Well, but, but you just the matched the Blue Jackets. I read a nice article on this about from The Athletic, 
if Toronto wins, if they go on, maybe they win the cup, okay? Or even if they go to the cup, it's really good for all our teams because it's good for the league. It gets up uh, revenue. Toronto's got one of the largest fan bases in the league. Revenue goes up. Cap goes up. We all enjoy that. So, you know, it's it's not a bad thing. It's good for hockey. And uh, it's going to be a fun series to watch because the second Florida gets a – if Florida gets a decent-sized lead, lead in game one, I just want to hear the groans from Maple Leaf Gardens or whatever it's called now. And uh, it, it, there's just – there's just no nothing like hearing those groans. The, the the groans in Toronto sound better than the groans in ever than any any other, any other arena city. in the in the league. Because there's just something about it when they groan. It's like so like there's so much history in that groan. You know what I mean? It's like hearing the 2002 Boston Red Sox fans groan. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's a lot in there. You know what I mean? But that doesn't bother that anymore because. Boston's won now, right? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what happened before '03. It's all it's all erased. You know that hundred years doesn't happen. Like, but uh, you know, and so and that'll be what it's like for Toronto, and that's what it's like for them right now. So I, I say, you Toronto fans, enjoy it. Don't get cocky. Don't get cocky. Hockey gods don't are. like that. I think the Florida team can pull an upset off, though. So. I, I think trust trust Tim Bobrovsky. Um, yeah, you have to. Yeah, yeah. you have to at this point. point. Um, but my thing is, this Toronto team doesn't like feeling any any sense of uncomfort or discomfort. Um, and Matthew Kachuk is going to make it his life's mission to make this Toronto team just oh, uncomfortable. You think? You think <laughs> Matthew Kachuk's going to be impressed? Huh? <laughs> I, mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he found a way to sign Marshan just to play in the series. Yeah, <laughs> I, and it sucks. Like it really does because I went down to Miami and I'm going down again and I have to wear I'm, I'm, I can't wear any Bruins gear when I'm down in Miami again this August. Uh, no, I can't. I can't. No, no, I wouldn't. I, I, it's just gonna. I'm gonna wear nothing but Chilean soccer jerseys, so no one knows what I'm wearing and. And that's about uh, it. Like it's, I, yeah. I, I have to wear like Red Sox gear because at least we're better than the Marlins. It's <laughs> Tampa Championship gear is still on sale on Fanatics. If you want, <laughs> yeah, you no, I mean, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like a dollar fifty. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't say Tampa Bay Lightning though. It just says yeah. Tampa Bay with the, without the Y. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, Tampa yeah. Bay Panthers. <laughs> It's going to be a good series. Um, Toronto obviously can can beat this Florida team, I would say, but it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna, it's a this is a rivalry game. Oh, this yeah. is a rivalry series. These are division opponents that do not match up well with each other, or or do match up well here, but do not like each other at all. <laughs> like, and uh, it's going to come down to goaltending. Was Samsonov playing better than Bobrovsky? You know. That's what I think it's going to come down to. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's going to come down to Matthew Kachuk. And they both have their stinkers, so this should get real yeah. interesting. It's we could have a game game two that's seven to two in favor of Toronto, and a game three that's seven to two in favor of Florida, like it, with the same goalies and nets. Right, right. Like it really could be that way. It's it's going to be crazy. I, I definitely think it comes to Florida's physicality. Um, can 
can uh, Kachuk do it? Um, can Lombard come back and do it? Um, it really like they can they can make life hell for the Maple Leafs. Even if the Maple Leafs come out on top, they're not gonna they're gonna be a completely different team the next round. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a great series. I, I just, much better than people think, but um, I don't know. I, I just I, I think this series. <laughs> you know, um, it's Henrik Lundqvist. Which Bobrovsky shows up. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist said something interesting on the TNT uh, commentary about going into the second round. He's like, once you're in the second round, that's when the playoffs become fun. You're through the stress of you got out of the first round. There's only eight teams left, and this is when you guys go like, all right, let's put our nose down and really play some some grinded-out fun hockey. And uh, that's that's perfect for all these matchups because, the, you know, Toronto, Florida, Vegas, Edmonton, those are going to be the, the battles. I don't know what we're going to get out of Seattle, Dallas, yet, and like I said, New Jersey. New Jersey should stomp Carolina. <laughs> I just don't know how they don't. Right. Like, I really don't. And that makes me feel better about the ring. It's like Ed said. Hey, there you go. Florida wins the cup. They're justified. Yep, You're justified. If the Devils win the cup, I'm justified. Oh, we got beat by the champs. It was oh, the same wow. way I felt when Pittsburgh won the cup. I was like, that's fine. Because now it justified them beating the Rangers that year. It was right. like, all right. They, we lost to the best team. I don't mind losing to the best team. What I don't want to lose to is a team that gets swept in the next round. That's embarrassing. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Exactly. All right. Well, guys, that was fun. And uh, that was really fun, actually. And it's, I just can't wait for to watch more hockey. Um, but you know what? All good things must come to an end. So we're going to end this episode with, what do you think? The Zamboni time machine. You guys want to get on that, that old Zamboni time machine and go back in time? Let's do it. Uh, the Zamboni name, by the way, is used with permission. Uh, this week, the Zamboni time machine takes us back to 1874 and the start of Madison Square Garden. Located wow, Scott's in childhood. We're way back. Yeah, well, it's listen, it was a great time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Located at the intersection of Madison Avenue and 26th Street, it was an outdoor arena built by P.T. Barnum, and it was originally called Barnum's Monster Classical and Geological Hippodrome. Say that five times fast. Uh, it became known as Madison Square Garden in May of 1879 after the owner of the New York uh, Central Railroad, William Vanderbilt, bought it. This building was taken down in 1889 and replaced by an imposing indoor complex that included an 8,000-seat arena, a 1,500-seat concert hall, a 1,200-seat theater, the largest indoor swimming pool in the world at the time, and a beautiful rooftop garden. It was in this garden that the architect of the building, Stanford White, would meet his end. White had been having an affair with the wife of Harry Thaw, and on June 25, 1906, Thaw took his revenge by shooting White dead in the rooftop garden. This complex would hold thousands of events, but never hockey. A brand new Madison Square Garden was built in 1925 and was located at 49th Street and 8th Avenue. The 18,000-seat arena was considered to be the ultimate indoor sports and entertainment complex in the world for its time. Although the New York Rangers are synonymous with the name Madison Square Garden, it was actually the New York Americans who would be the first NHL team to play here as the home team, as they had just moved to New York from Hamilton, Ontario in 1925. Tex Rickard, the promoter who had built his garden, would bring the New York Rangers into the NHL in 1926 and gave his team much better scheduling options than the Americans, who would continue to play at the garden until they folded in 1942. This MSG was a busy place as any day of the week, a sporting or entertainment event was being held. All things must come to an end, and in this case of MSG, it was in 1968 when this building was closed down. 
It was replaced by the current Madison Square Garden, located at the top of Penn Station at 33rd Street between 7th and 8th Avenues. The Rangers played their first game there on February 18, 1968, defeating the Philadelphia Flyers by a score of 3-1. to Since then, this Madison Square Garden has become a part of American sports and entertainment culture, as it has held thousands of concerts and events, along with being the site of Ali Frazier 1, the first WrestleMania, and the great one Wayne Gretzky's last game, to name just a few of the memorable sporting events that have taken place here. The world's most famous arena, as it is now known, is the oldest operating arena in the NHL. And that, my friends, concludes this week's trip on the Zamboni Time Machine. I and they want to tear it down again and build a new one. Probably a of about $5 billion, but, you know. Where? They do. They, they're, they're, yeah. they're in this. Do you know about this? Yeah. They're in a predicament right now, yeah. Yeah, over on the west yeah. side, right? Yeah, I think over by the Javits Center or something yeah. like that. Like yeah. They want to put it. And uh, it would be a huge mistake, I think. Yeah. You know, it's just it's so perfectly it. located. They yeah. just remodeled the whole thing. They put in bridges, you know, like, yeah. it's something else now. I mean, I haven't been there since the bridges got put in, but I hear it's really, really great. And uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, every subway and every train station in New York City, even Grand Central's, I yeah. love Grand Central. Grand Central's nice. The station's nice. Then you all of a sudden you walk up to where the trains are, and you're like, oh, there's that urine smell again. Oh, right. yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's coming from like a couple blocks down the window. A couple blocks. <laughs> but, uh, I, well, guys, you know what? We'll have to do a show from there someday. How's that? Uh, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. My best friend lives in the Bronx. We there can, we go. I'll take an Amtrak down and uh, just complain. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that's what there I do you best. You get, get harassed and that just looks at you being like, what are you looking at? I'm like, I'm just washing my hands. I'm going to fight you. Why? I'm just washing my hands. You're looking at me. No, I'm washing my hands. <sighs> that's what happened the last time I was at Penn Station. So. <laughs> well, it's, it is what it is, I guess. Don't look at people. Oh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, guys, like I said, this has been a blast. We have got... Plenty more playoff hockey to keep our eyes on, which we are going to continue to watch. And, of course, we're going to talk about this all over again next week. Yeah, so, I don't stop watching hockey because my team got booted. That's, right. that's not what a hockey fan is. I'm sorry. Right. Like, right. And you want to prove, like I said, that your team lost to the better team. So watch that team. I'm going to watch the Devils-Carolina games, and I'm going to be rooting for the Devils. Yeah. Like, sorry, that's what I'm going to be doing. I know. Uh, do I like the Devils? Not really, no. <laughs> Other than that, we have their farm team here, and I'll be watching their games too because uh, they're in the next round. They're Absolutely. fighting for their life too. So, you know, good. You know, a lot All of right. good hockey to watch this time of year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, fellas. Well, this is going to be sign-off for this week. So, for Ed Stefanik, for Christmas Adi, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Marty's Illegal Stick. <laughs>